Well, I'm glad that Graham read that to us and I'm glad that he added the bit at the beginning about the Lord speaking to the people about being the living water. And so this is kind of a mini-series. Graham started it last week on John chapter 7. There is so much in this chapter and I'm going on to finish the chapter. But we really um, needed that little bit that Graham added to the reading to remind us again about how the Lord Jesus said, Come to me if you are thirsty and I will give you living water. He said that on the last day of the feast. The feast had been going for eight days and the Lord Jesus did that wonderful sermon. And um, Graham spoke so beautifully last week about that wonderful sermon that the Lord Jesus gave. And, you know, I've been wondering whether, because of what Graham has said last week, you've really been conscious in your mind this week about being that living water, that the Lord Jesus says that come to me and drink and then out of you will flow rivers of living water to other people. I wonder if this week your life has flowed out with living water to other people. First of all in your home, because that's the hardest place to flow out that living water, isn't it? And then at school or in our business or just in the street or just to those telephone calls that I must admit that I was very rude to a lady this week. No rivers of living water flowing out of me when a lady rang up this week. And, um, and, and, yeah, and so we really need to be reminded again and we're, we're going to be reminded again. And this chapter is all about who is this man? You know, at the feast they were all saying, who is this man? Who is this man, Jesus? And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now let me see if I get this right. Yes, so we've done that and now Jesus causes the vision and in verse 43, as Graham read, he read about how there was division amongst all the people about who Jesus was. It caused division. It caused division to many different people. The first one was his own brother's. That seems incredible, doesn't it? In his own family, they didn't believe in him. They said, if you're so great, prove it to the world. And that was in verse 4 and the Living Bible says it that way. You know, I feel a bit for these brothers. You know, they were just earthly brothers. And they kind of heard in their house that Jesus was special and that Jesus was going to be king of the Jews. But no, there was nothing. He was just living as a carpenter and and he was just their brother and he was a pain in the neck because he was so good. (laughs) And you know how annoying that can be if someone's so good and you're not? And so the brothers must have found it annoying and they just couldn't believe that this could be the Son of God. I don't know how much Mary had told them. They were grown men by now. And, but he was their brother who was supposed to be great and who'd been told by the angels that he was going to be great and he's just an itinerant preacher. And so the brothers are saying, well, if you're so great, prove it to the world. So there was division in his home over who he was. The Jewish leaders, 
they were there at the feast. But you know, although they wanted to arrest him, they were, they were puzzled because they said, where does this man get his learning from? He didn't even go to our school. And when you think about it, this is Jesus. This is God incarnate. He knows everything. And yet here he came as a man and no wonder they said, where does this man get his learning from? Because what he said was absolutely incredible. And they couldn't work out what he was saying. How can he know so much when he hasn't been to our schools? (laughs) The arrogance of them. It was their schools that were going to do it. And then there was the crowd. And it wasn't just, you know, the crowd. They were divided too. Some people said, he's got to be the Messiah. After all, they said, what miracles do you expect the Messiah to do that this man hasn't done? They had seen his miracles. They'd seen his miracles, but they still, many of them, some of them were saying, this must be the Messiah. But then others were saying, well, he can't be the Messiah. Because if he was the Messiah, he'd just arrive. Or another one would say, he can't be the Messiah because he comes from Galilee. And it says in the, Bar- in the Old Testament that the Messiah will come from Bethlehem. But did any bother, anyone bother asking whether he'd come from Bethlehem? Whether he'd been born in Bethlehem? No. They hadn't. I want to read you this because... You know, God, the Lord Jesus causes division in our world today too. And for many of us in our world today, we say, oh, well, he was a great teacher. He was a pretty fine man. He said some really wonderful things, but he's just a mere man. And C.S. Lewis wrote, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish things that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronising nonsense about his being a great teacher. He's not left that option open to us. And he hasn't. Because he made many, um, well, many, many wonderful things. He, He said, I am the living water, come to me and drink. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, I and my father are one. He said he was divine. He said he was the son of God. And we cannot say he's mere man. But people love to say that. And they're very happy to talk about him being a moral teacher and being a mere man. But once you start talking to them about sin and evil, then they, they don't like that at all. And in fact, that's what the Lord Jesus said to his own brothers. 
He said, you can go up to the feast and no one will worry about you. No one will hate you. But they hate me because I speak to them of evil and of sin. And that's exactly the same today, isn't it? Because the Lord Jesus comes and, and, and speaks to our conscience of our sin and of the evil in our hearts. And because of that, people turn away and don't want to hear quite often. So why, why is it divided? Oh, wrong thing. Why does Jesus cause division today? Jesus said, do you think I have come to give peace to the earth? No, rather strife and division. And that's in Luke 12, 51 that the Lord Jesus said that. He said he'd come to bring strife and division. When the Lord Jesus comes again, he will bring peace. But at the time now, while the time of grace is on and where God's where, where God's heart is, and arms are outspread in mercy to, to evil and sinful people, then there is going to be division. And as a commentator said, so long as human nature is corrupt, Christ will be a cause of division. And that's the truth of it, isn't it? And we see that in our world today. We can see it at school and at university we can see it. Um, we can just see it in our daily lives that there's going to be division. You know, people will say, "Well, she's a bit of a weirdo." You know, she she believes that um, that that she belongs to the Lord Jesus and part of His family. She's weird, and um, and and people will say that to you at school or at work. He doesn't like the smutty jokes. He doesn't laugh at them. He's a bit weird. But you know, we've got to be willing to be weird for the Lord Jesus. And, um, and sometimes, you know, here in Australia, it doesn't take much. It's just a division. And you know there's division. But in other countries of the world, think about our brothers and sisters in Christ in places like Iran or Iraq or Syria or North Korea where our brothers and sisters in Christ are just killed because of their love for the Lord Jesus and where families are so divided where um, 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 a woman might come to know the Lord and might tell her husband about it and, and he might just throw her out of the house and not have anything more to do with her. So we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ in other parts of the world who really know about the division. Yes, there's division in Australia and yes, that you will be laughed at. And yes, you will, people will say you're weird. But that's nothing compared to what our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ are finding overseas. So Jesus causes division and he tells us that it's going to happen. And, um, and, and that's just one of those consequences of being part of God's family. And... Uh, but you know the authority of Jesus is there. And just before we came into church this morning, Amanda prayed and prayed about the authority of the Lord Jesus, that he would be here in power. And that is what we pray, that the Lord Jesus will be here in power, that the Lord Jesus is an authority figure. And for the, and, and for the temple police guards, they came along to arrest the Lord Jesus. 
they, um, they'd been sent by the chief priest and the chief priest said, go and arrest him. We're going to get rid of him. We're going to kill him. But it says further in, in, in part of the chapter that the Lord Jesus said, not yet. And, they, and it was his authority. And when those, when those police guards came to Jesus, they could not arrest him. They were arrested instead by the Lord Jesus. They went back and they said, no man spoke like this man ever did and they could not arrest him. You know, mere man has no authority over the Lord Jesus. He allowed them in the Garden of Gethsemane to take him. He, he said, I could have sent 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set, God, and set Jesus free. But he didn't because he went to the cross for you and for me. Man has no authority over the Lord Jesus. And I'm so glad about that when we look at our world today, that man has no authority over Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is still in control, even though um, whatever his name is in North Korea might think he's in control, or Putin, or, 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 or whoever, all the world leaders, but none of them are in control. It's Jesus Christ who's in control. And he will say, this far, but no further. And if Jesus Christ says the world can be blown up, well, he'll allow it, but not until it's Jesus' time. Not until God's time. And so we can rest assured that we are safe because Jesus is in control. Still in control. You know, it's amazing to think about those um, police going to arrest Jesus, isn't it? Just imagine if someone in, domain, in the domain was making a terrible, um, was speaking and causing a rumpus and lots of people, you know. I mean, the police would go and just imagine if they came back to the other police officer and said, no, we couldn't arrest him, sorry. The authority was too great for us. No, that would not happen today. It's only because the Lord Jesus was God, the divine Son of God, that they had no power over him. And they listened and their hearts were touched and moved by the words that he said. It's a lovely thing, isn't it? The reaction of the chief priests. Oh my goodness, they were angry. They were so angry with, um, that when, the, when the police guards came back and told them that they couldn't arrest Jesus. No man ever spoke like this. Have you been taken in too by this Galilean, says the chief priest? Have any of us clever people believed in him? That was the Pharisees. They were clever. They were much cleverer than this Jesus. And so they said, have you believed in him? They were so mad. Why were they so angry? because they were threatened by the Lord Jesus, because they realised that he had an authority that they didn't have. They were mere men. He was God. They didn't have the authority. They feared him because they feared of his power over the people. And you know, there's verses in the Bible that tells us, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Sorry about this, everybody. 
Not many were influential, not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. You know, there are a lot of very clever people who know the Lord Jesus and who love him. But they've come to the Lord Jesus as a little child comes, not because of their own wisdom, but because they they realise the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. And then in Romans we read, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. We're inexcusable really. We see it all around us. I wonder if any of you saw, like Ian and I did last night, that beautiful show on SBS with, um, about the Kimberleys and Ken um, Duncan was, was um, photographing with Ray Martin. It was just a beautiful show because here was these magnificent, beautiful colours and God, and I mean Kevin, uh, Ken Duncan just can portray it so beautifully, can't he? And you saw it in all its beauty and, um, and, and you think, wow, why can't man just look at that and say, wow, God, you are the creator. How could that just happen with a big bang? Um, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. And that chapter goes on and speaks about what God does to man when they get wise in their own eyes and are not willing to look to him as God. He makes them think foolish things and he makes them sin in a dreadful way. So we have a God who needs to be honoured and glorified because he is the wonderful and beautiful God who came to this earth, sent his son to this earth to die for you and for me. So there, and, and you know, um, people today look at Jesus and, don't, and, and when they don't um, accept his authority, they, they, they become wise in their own eyes and they think, they think silly thoughts and, um, and, and the thing is that, you know, the Lord Jesus isn't a, isn't someone, isn't a God of wooden stone that you can stick on a shelf. Jesus Christ asks something of us, doesn't he? He expects something of us. He expects our heart. He expects us to give him our heart, to give him our soul and to obey him, be obedient to him day by day in our lives. And that is what he wants for us. He's not a mere man or just a mere God. You know, perhaps some of you have seen um, on television that ad for lamb and they've got all the gods of this world sitting around the table. I just read about it. Um, and, and they have Jesus sitting up with... Um, Vishnu and, and uh, with Scientology man and, and they're all sitting around and saying, oh, it's um, so nice to be able to get together. And for, for the world today, they think, oh, well, God, Jesus is, is perhaps one way to God. But you know, God doesn't, the Lord Jesus doesn't give us that option either to say he is one way to God. He is the only way to God. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so um, I think that 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 ad is so blasphemous because it puts Jesus as just one one of the gods. There is no one but Jesus who will one day be honoured and glorified and every knee will bow before him. And so we need to do that and bow before him in allegiance and say, we are willing to be yours, Lord, forever and ever. Then at the end of the story, we come to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus spoke up. He was one of them, it says in verse 50. He was one of those Pharisees. And perhaps you remember when Graham spoke when we were back in John chapter 3 and I remember Graham saying then that John, that, that um, when Nicodemus came to him by night, he came at night, but that Nicodemus was quite a, not just a respected member of the Sanhedrin, but a very important member of the Sanhedrin because he was a, um, a, a teacher and a leader. And so here was Nicodemus. He came to Jesus by night, but Jesus was slowly and gently working in Nicodemus's heart. You know, we all come to Jesus in a different way, don't we? Sometimes it's a, whoo, the light comes on and suddenly we're there, we know Jesus. And probably for Carol and I, that was the thing when, when as little girls we came to know the Lord Jesus one Sunday afternoon. But sometimes, you know, it, you look back and you think, I don't know when I came to the Lord Jesus. It was a slow process. And Nicodemus, perhaps it was the same. Slowly, gently, Nicodemus came to the Lord Jesus. And as he sits there with all the, one of them, he was one of them. It's nice to be one of them, isn't it? It's so nice to be one with other people at school or wherever you are. To not have people think that you're different from them. It's horrible going out on a limb and saying, I've got to be different. But Nicodemus was willing today to go out on a limb for the Lord Jesus. He said, is it legal to convict a man before he's even tried? He didn't say much, but he said enough to make the other friends of his absolutely hopping mad. They were hopping mad. They were furious. And, um, and, but Nicodemus stuck to his guns and just said that little bit and, um, and, it, and it broke up the meeting. <laughs> they all went home, it says. Why does it say that, that they all went home? They were furious, mad, those, uh, the chief priests. Think about the crowd. They all went home too. They all went home to their homes. Think about the, the police, the temple guard. They went home to their homes. Think about the brothers of the Lord Jesus. They went home. But what about the Lord Jesus? It says in John chapter 8 verse 1, he went to the Mount of Olives. He went to pray to his father. Probably he felt very anguished after such a day. After such a day of being emotionally and every drained of everything. Because remember... He had human feelings just like you and I and to not be thought about or, or that they wanted to kill him, he knew that and I guess it hurt his heart too like it would hurt our heart if we had people wanting to kill us. They went home. He went to speak to his father. 
and to commune with his father. I wonder what happened when they went home. I wonder if some of those people thought about again what the Lord Jesus had said. I wonder whether they thought about the Lord Jesus saying that um, saying to them, I am the water of life. Come to me and drink, you who are thirsty, and out of you will flow rivers of living water. I hope that some of them, that that night they became disciples of the Lord Jesus. For some others they became angrier and angrier and forgot all about Jesus Christ or forgot all about his claims on their life. I don't think they could forget about Jesus Christ because he was there, very much part of their community. Are we willing to be not one of them for the sake of Jesus Christ? Wherever we go today, are we willing to be the Lord's person? And are we willing for for the rivers of living water to flow out of us to others during the for the rest of our lives? You know, when I was thinking about this, I came to a um, to a little um, to a hymn that I used to sing when I was when we were when we were young, and um, I said to Ian, "Oh, I can only remember." Um, a, a few of the words from, from the second verse. But anyway, Ian looked it up on the computer and we found it. And it's the lovely old hymn, I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. He might be saying that to you today. Come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, lay down, thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad. I found in him a resting place and he has made me glad. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water. Thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived. And now I live in him. As we go out from this place today, let's remember, it's not us living, it's Jesus living in us and that makes all the difference. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit that wants to take over our life and make us beautiful for the Lord Jesus. And we thank you so much for the powerful name of Jesus We thank you for the authority that it gives to us that we can go out into this world and be your men and women because of the Holy Spirit living within us. Help us today to come 